Welcome back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley. My guest is Joel Fritz. We're talking right now about ministry. How do you know what God wants you to do? And one of the things, Joel, that we've mentioned is um, getting out of the ordinary. Mission trips are oftentimes as good for the missionaries as they are for the people you're going to reach because you get out of the um, normal flow of things. That's one of YWAM's major premises is put people in another culture and um, they'll be effective and they'll have experiences that they would never have just trying to minister in their own sphere of influence. What do you think about that? I think you're right on. Every time I've planned a missions trip, I've led uh, probably seven to ten, actually led them, uh, five of them have been to Peru. And every time Mm -hmm. I lead one of those trips, I think of exactly what you just said. I recognize the reality that if we think that we are going down to just help other people, then we approach them with this uh, I'm better than you mentality mm-hmm. or idea. Uh, we approach them kind of in uh, with, with that American mindset where we're like, uh, we're here to help. Right. And if you do that, then you miss, I think you're missing 50% of what the Lord has. And that 50, other 50% is not just to help people, but it's to be helped by the people. Mm-hmm. And I think that so much ministry is done to the team that goes by the people that are already there. Right. And that's really the Christian life or community is when we have an exchange with one another. And you see Christian community get out of whack wherever you go when you see people who are most interested in themselves or they think that they're only helping the people another person. It's a mutual exchange between... Between believers. It's a mutual exchange when you take the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody. You have to be willing to receive as much as you have to be willing to give. I think that's excellent. And that should hold true in all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. One of the things that sort of um, perplexes me is that when I'm with somebody and uh, we're, we're hiking or talking or playing golf or whatever we're doing, Oftentimes, I try and show an interest in somebody. I ask questions. Mm-hmm. I want to get to know them. I want to find out about their ministry, their life, their family, their job, their perspectives, the books they read, or whatever it is going to. I'm asking them. But oftentimes, I'm with people, and they never ask me anything about mm-hmm. myself. And it's not like I have to be uh, telling everybody about myself, but it makes me sad that so few believers seem to understand that you can have a significant impact on somebody else's life simply by caring about mm-hmm. them yeah. and their life. And you might learn things that really surprise you yeah. or not, depending yeah. on, you know, it says in, in Ecclesiastes, uh, the, there's a treasure in the heart of a man and a man of wisdom draws it out, mm-hmm. like drawing well water out of a deep well. We can draw the treasure out of somebody simply by asking questions and showing yeah. concern for their life. Mm-hmm. It's so true. So another um, spiritual principle is that the way God touches you is a way that you will oftentimes be called into ministry to touch others. For instance, in your life, you were impacted by going on mission trips, so you've led others on mission trips. If you get impacted Mm -hmm. in a small group Bible study, or like I'm a a preacher-teacher, I teach with the same patterns that God mm-hmm. used in other teacher with other teachers that really touched mm-hmm. me. I like a verse by verse exposition of the Bible with stories yeah. that illustrate it because I like to learn what the word says and I like to s- hear the story of how it works in the real world. Mm-hmm. I don't try and pattern myself after a person. 
I try and pattern myself after that which feeds my soul. Mm-hmm. How, how do you determine how God wants to use you? Hmm. Well, early on, I think it, I followed exact, the advice that you're giving right now because that's exactly what I did. I didn't know how to minister to kids, so I thought about how I had been ministered to and what the Lord had done to affect my life, so I had to plan a camp. Mm-hmm. What's also interesting, though, um, is that one of my experiences in leading a camp was a was a f- somewhat of a failure on the side of the people that I took, because I really loved being in California, and it was an interesting experience for me, but I took a group of kids out to California because that meant so much to me, because I was so excited to go out to the ocean and yeah, go to the yeah, beach. Yeah, yeah, you love the beach. But it was on the uh, extreme side of what we're talking about, and the kids didn't have all that much fun, <laughs> probably because I didn't plan the trip all that well. But that's how I got into ministry. That's what mm-hmm. I did. And then as soon as I was able, I started dragging kids across the uh, across the world and taking them different places, which has been a lot of fun. And I've seen the Lord uh, bear a lot of fruit out of those situations just simply acknowledging what the Lord had done with me and then simply uh, reproducing it for other kids. Now, to prepare yourself for ministry, you you were an associate pastor for many years, and then Mm -hmm. you decided to go to seminary. You went to Fuller Seminary. How how was that experience for you? The experience was wonderful. Uh, It was a little bit difficult for me to actually make the decision to do that. At first, I, uh, uh, I didn't see much of a need for seminary, and I felt Mm -hmm. like I had resources available to me. I felt like I had good people around me teaching me and challenging me. But there was a day when when the Lord uh, really just put it on my heart that He wanted me to prepare more, and I didn't know what that looked like, and I started to research. Uh, The idea got into my mind about seminary, and Mm -hmm. so I started to, to look around at different places. And then in 2007, I I went for it and I signed up because Fuller uh, Theological had a a satellite deal going on from their Phoenix campus to Tucson. So I started taking some Christian history classes, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. But then a year later, after I took a few classes, we had our first uh, daughter, and that uh, consumed the rest of my time. And there, uh, so after two or three years, I... I knew that I wanted to finish that degree. I really wanted to actually uh, press into the Word and learn it uh, from an an academic angle as well as uh, my own personal edification um, and and how I would learn to prepare for a sermon or a Bible study or something like that. And at the end of the day, the thing that, that drew me in the most and probably was the most significant was allowing somebody else to pick what I was going to be taught. Um, because I learned things that I wouldn't have chosen, uh, I wouldn't choose on my own to mm-hmm. go and, and explore or learn. And I'm glad that I learned those things. And so as I come away from it, there's a lot of information that there's too much information. I can't remember it all, mm-hmm. but I feel like I have this nice uh, system or this. It's uh, like you got it filed in well. the library. If I got it huh? filed in the library, and all I have to do is, is hear the right thing to go. I know where I can go and get that information. Yeah. And that's a really helpful thing to me. And, and it's exciting. I feel like I have a depth that I didn't have when I went into it. Um, I don't feel like I'm any more or less of a person, though. Right. And I think that it doesn't would be, really develop character necessarily. You got it. Uh, so that, that would be something that. If anybody was thinking about going to seminary, don't don't think that you become a minister or become uh, competent a, necessarily. A, even right, that you you just it's just a part of the whole thing, and right. I think that it's a very it's something that was responsible for me to do. That the Lord asked me to do it, and I needed to respond uh, in order to show Him how committed I was, and I've 
experience nothing but benefit from it. Well, that's point. good to hear. Yeah, I went just for one year after I had been a pastor for a number of years, and uh, I took Greek, and I can't tell you a lot about Greek, <laughs> but what it was good for me was if I'm looking at a commentary and they talk about the Greek word, a verb, and they talk about present tense mm-hmm. or past tense or whatever, at least I've had enough exposure to know the concept they're talking about because I'm not the kind of guy that is just real trust, trusting. Mm-hmm. If somebody says, well, this is what the Greek says, and I know nothing about Greek, then it, I, I'm not sure I have any weight in that right. whatsoever. But now that I've taken enough, at least I know where they're coming from. and You can so, weigh in on it. Yeah, or yeah. At, least, at least I can receive it mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah. Um, I also think it's wise to take a certain amount of church history um, because a lot of times people are so obsessed with the new thing God's doing, they don't realize that God has been doing mm-hmm. things for a long time, it's, you know? It's nothing real new. There's I remember nothing our, real our history professor, uh, Grayson Carter, who's still teaching over there, made us memorize all of the... Uh, all of the heresies, the uh-huh. I think there were eleven or fifteen basic major heresies, heresies. major heresies, right? And he said, "I'm making you memorize these because there's nothing new under the sun." Okay, you'll yeah. see these, and all they do is just manifest themselves in different ways. Right. So you go right back into you know uh, 100 AD, 200 AD, 300 AD, and you can see everything that you're seeing today, and it really is interesting. And that's one of the benefits of education when people say, "Oh, the." Politics, for instance, mm-hmm. politics is so bad, it's, all, it's never been worse. Well, anybody who's actually studied what was happening in the Continental Congress and the, the battles between Alexander Hamilton and uh, you know, the Federalist position versus Thomas Jefferson and more of a states' rights position mm-hmm. and, and the way they treated each other and how they talked about each other and, and Franklin and... Um, John Adams versus Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Those those guys in the newspapers of their time, it was brutal. It right. was a brutal, bruising battle. Yeah. There's nothing new under the sun in politics either, you know? All. Yeah, I read uh, David McCullough's John Adam biography. It was excellent, wasn't uh, it? It was, absolutely, and he talked about that. And it was, it was almost comforting to think about yes. how polarized our parties are today. But then to hear how Adams and Jefferson experienced a, a friendship split for right. a period of years because of their, uh, you know, their political beliefs, and they actually yeah. separated for a while until they were both out of the political scene for the most part. Yeah, which they rekindled their friendship after that, and then but they it was ended hot. up dying on the exact same day, which is which is amazing. July Fourth as yes. well. They both held on to Independence Day. There's some both. passionate guys, I'll tell you what. Definitely, and one of the. Uh, side notes on that is that in the Continental Congress, um, John Adams was very vocal and pushing his agenda vocally, and Thomas Jefferson said almost nothing. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that synthesized it. He was the guy that wrote it all down. So he was the author of the Declaration mm-hmm. of Independence because he was listening to all the arguments, and he had his strong positions, but he just didn't battle it out with words. It was more with the pen, right? which is... Anyway... So um, in, in, let, let's segue to a church setting. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have a tendency to idolize our founding fathers, and yet when you study them, you realize they had very different positions. They were mostly men of character, give or take the slavery issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, 
In a church, you get strong-willed people with very different perspectives, and we're called to love each other. We're called to be in one body. And when we come back from this break, Joel Fritz is going to tell you how you can all live happily ever after. So stay tuned. Don't miss it. <laughs> 